saying you did everything right. We were saying we did something wrong, and we have to deal with our wrong. You have to deal with yours, and we're not responsible to deal with yours. We're only responsible to deal with ours. And then we, then our church, Bethel Church, um, went a step further because we felt like we were supposed to bring forth fruit of repentance, fruit of the way we were repenting about the American Indian. And so what we did is we support our local tribe at $500 a month for the rest of the time that Bethel Church is Bethel Church. Because we felt that we were supposed to do something to honor them, and we felt that honor... Now, now by supporting them, we are not saying... Most of those Indians, most of the Indians uh, in, our, in our tribe, American Indians in our tribe, Native Americans in our tribe, most of them aren't Christian. And lots of them still do weird stuff like call on weird spirits and all kinds of things. But... We are creating evangelism through honor. It's the story of Joseph and Daniel. So when I'm talking about the Catholic Church, some people equate, oh, you think there's something good there with you think everything they're doing is all right. I'm like, no, I don't. I'm just saying, or you think Martin Luther's, you know, I'm like, I love those reformers. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. Thank God for them. All I'm saying is the Catholic Church has something that we need to that we need to grow in, and that is they do have honor in their culture. Are they doing it right? I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. But I am saying that we did do some things that was wrong. Well, though we were wrong. Okay, we were wrong, but we're not responsible for what they did to us. We're only responsible for what we did. That's all I'm saying. And I, I don't know. In the area of the Catholic Church, um, you know, I was taught the Catholic Church was the mother harlot. And you know they were they were the <laughs> da 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 on and on. The Antichrist was uh, the Pope. I was taught that. You know I was saved in 1973. I was taught that. I mean openly taught that. And then a, a then a, a real bummer happened to our doctrine. They received the baptism in the Holy Spirit and they started speaking in tongues. It sort of really messed with our you know. There goes another chart. So, anyway, I wanted to clarify that. Nancy, were you trying to say something to me? Okay. Don't say anything profound. Okay. Yeah. Okay, now be profound. Okay, here we go. I am about to be profound. Okay. Anyway, that's what I was trying to say. I, I'm sorry if I offended anyone. Um, I just just trying to tell you. Sorry if you're offended. Try not to be offended. Try try to have it be all right that you don't agree and you just go, hey, I don't agree with that part and go on, because um, it's just not good to be offended. Um, I, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about apostles and then. Um, I don't know, whatever the rest of the team feels like we need to do, we'll, we'll work through that. Um, 1 Corinthians 4.15, Paul said, You may have countless tutors in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers. For in Christ I have become your father through the gospel. Therefore I exhort you, listen to this, this is almost sounds ludicrous. Therefore I exhort you, be imitators of who? Me. For this reason I sent you Timothy. For what reason? 
my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you of my ways, which are in Christ, just as I teach everyone everywhere in every church. Are you guys, are, are you with me at all? Okay, I, I know I'm messing with you a little bit, but I just want to say that we have tried to de-emphasize humanity so that we don't take away God's glory. And then God says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And, you know, would say, oh, don't follow me, just follow Christ. Well, if you're, if you're not following, if you can't say imitate me, you have to change your life. Because Paul said, imitate me as I'm imitating Christ. Oh, by the way, I'm going to send you Timothy. He's my beloved child. He's going to teach you my ways so that you can imitate me. Now, you notice he says, you know what? You have many teachers, but you don't have many fathers, and I am your dad. So, I understand the perversion. I know the whole shepherding movement. Every time I share this, no, not every time. Almost every time I share this, I get an email. I came out of the shepherding movement. You don't understand what happened. Da, 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 da. Yeah, well, bummer for you, and I, I understand that there was bad things that happened. You know, um, you know, some people don't get married because their father was a bad man and their parents had a bad marriage. So, you know, we're just living together because we're reacting to a former season. But what happens when you teach fatherly principles to elder brothers? They use it to control rather than empower. Did you get that? What happens when you teach fatherly principles to elder brothers? Well, how many of you are the oldest child in your family? How many of you have younger siblings and you're the oldest child? How many of you, your parents ever left you at home when you were the oldest child to take care of your brother and sister while they went out and did something? How many of you use their fatherly principles to, of course, encourage your younger sister and brother to obey? You understand how the church is being run then, don't you? Because... Right? In Luke 15, it talks about the prodigal son. <laughs> you guys are right. The prodigal son goes home, right? You know, he's eating with the pigs. He, he hoards away all of his money. He's eating with the pigs, right? And he says, I told you this the other day. He, and it says, when he came to himself, he went home, right? But he asks his father for his inheritance when he leaves, right? He says, give me my inheritance. I'm going. His father's wise. He doesn't give him his inheritance. He only gives him money. Smart man. Because when the boy comes home and he says, Father, I have sinned against God and I have sinned against you. I am not worthy to be called your son. What does the father do? He's already, the son hasn't said anything yet. All he's done is turn towards home. And the father comes out in and meets him in the field. What does he do? He gives him a robe, a ring, and a sandals. Robe, he restores his identity. Ring, he restores his authority. And sandals, he restores his purity. His father comes in and he's so excited. He says, my son who was lost is now found. My son who was dead is now alive. And all the servants come. Did you get that? All the servants come to the party. But the elder brother, he ain't coming. And the father goes out in the field and says to the elder brother, aren't you, why aren't you coming to the party? Your brother who was dead is now alive. Your brother who's lost is now found. He says, you gave him the fattened calf. You didn't even give me a goat. 
His father says, I gave him the fattened calf, but you own the farm. Everything I have is yours. And how many of you know that, that elder brothers are competing with the people they're supposed to be leading? What happens when you teach the elder brother fatherly principles? They'll use it to control instead of empower because it's their spirit that's on them. They don't even know they have the whole farm because they're so worried about brother got something I didn't get. He got the fat and calf. Did something special for him. He needs to, he needs to be punished. He went out and hoard all his money away and you give him the fat and calf. That's not fair. That's how all their brothers think. You came home to repent. You deserve to spend a few years working hard like I have. And the father's ready to give away the inheritance because he knows it's not about performance. He's just glad his son is home. You know what he does? He gives the son the signet ring. Well, now it's like his charge card. He'd go charge with his signet ring. And, all, and the boy just came home. He hasn't even proven he can handle money yet. And the father said, son, here's your inheritance. Would you rather have money or would you have all the father's money on your ring? Did you get that? Denominationalism is elder brothers. That's what I believe. Okay. Let's see if we can just like move through here to give you something you don't know. Okay, here we go. Um, you got notes now, right? Okay, page 15. Okay. Paul said, 1 Corinthians 3.10, see it right there? According to the grace of God, which is given to me like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and others building on it, but each man must be careful how he builds on it. The word master builder is the word, one word in the, in the Greek, it's the word architectron. You can figure out what word we get from that, the word architect. Okay? So he, Paul's saying, I am the architect, but other people are building on the foundation I laid. And I believe that apostles are architects. They're the ones who carry the architectural plan from heaven. Now, let me just um, see if I can clear this up. And I, I believe that what makes an apostle an apostle are all the things we're talking about. But one of the main things that makes an apostle an apostle is that he has a mission. He has a vision from God that makes a mission from heaven. That's the part he carries that no one else carries. Okay? Are you with me? Are you guys all right? Am I boring you? Do you want to move on? He, 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 has, he has a mission from heaven. He has the architectural plan that people come into submission to the mission and they get commission. Very simply. Did I tell you this already? Did we already talk about this? Okay. So like a contractor, you know, a contractor goes to the owner and gets the plans. He gets the blueprints. And what happens? He, he hires other subcontractors. They come in to submission. They call. They call them subs, right? You guys, sub. They, he hires subs. Why do they call them subs? Because their main purpose is in the fact that they're in submission to the contractor's mission, which is in the blueprints that the owner gave him. Right? 
Who would ever hire a subcontractor if he wasn't a sub? If he said, you know what, plumbing, huh, I'll tell you what, I'm really getting sick and tired of the way these contractors do plumbing. I see the blue, but I am going to put the plumbing on the outside of the wall so people can see my work. <laughs> and not only that, but I think a toilet ought to be right in the middle of the front room where you can watch TV while you're, well, you're doing whatever you might want to do. That's what I believe. I mean, who's going to hire a subcontractor who he decides where the plumbing goes? Or an electrician. He's like, you know what? I do all this work and nobody sees it. They put the sheetrock over it. That's just wrong. This is a metaphor. Do you get it? There's a whole lot of people that want their ministry to show. So it's like they don't want to be in submission to anybody because they want their ministry to show. And most of their ministry is being covered. Get that? Covered. They're under a covering. It's being covered by apostolic mission. So they don't get the credit because the things they do are in the walls. They want to be on their own mission. Now, we're talking about prophets and prophetic ministry. I believe that prophets need to be in submission to the apostolic mission. That's what I think. And I think the, prophet, the apostles lay the foundation that we build on. We give it color. We give it texture. But they decide the boundaries of our authority. My opinion is, is that if I go beyond the boundaries of Bill's apostolic authority, I don't have authority there. And I'll, I'll, I'll give you Chris's little rendition of covering. I told you about covering, about Joseph. I believe that there's two kinds of apostolic networks. One, I don't really agree with. And if you're in that, that's okay. Remember, you can disagree. Nero well. I believe there's one that's like a mall. That means we share a covering. We may share security guards. But every store in a mall has its own mission. They don't have a common mission. They don't have a common DNA. And I believe that the apostolic covering that Bethel's, that Bethel's developing has, is like a department store. We have a common mission and a common covering. And we have different departments. And, you know, I worked in the business world for a long time in retail. And I know that, for instance, Sears may put their tools on sale below cost. And people come in, and for, that, for maybe that week, they'll lose money on Craftsman tools. Why? To draw people in to, into the store so that the rest of the departments prosper and cover the one department that is sacrificing for the rest of the departments. Are you with me? Why? Because Sears has a common mission. That, that is actually parceled out in all the departments. So I think that when somebody travels out from Bethel, okay, you may not agree with this. This is Chris's idea. I think that when people travel out, when they have alternate ministry, they should be carrying the, the apostolic mantle and mission, DNA, core values. So, you know, and I know there's lots of, people who don't do that in other churches. And that's all fine. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm just telling you that I think that what makes an apostle apostle is he has a mission. People come into submission to it, and they get commissioned. That means they have common core values, a common DNA. We're all on this common mission. We have different, you know, 
Dan did a great job the very first day talking about the different services and the workings and how it works out through personalities. You know, you know, um, even ministries have personalities. So, you know, inside Bethel, I mean, you guys, I don't know if you know many of our team, but we have Banning. How many of you have ever met Banning? What's the first word that comes to you? Intense. Great leader. Really apostolic leader. He'll be an apostolic. He'll be an apostle. He is an apostle. He's a growing apostle. And then we have Lance. You ever met Lance? Dude. Yeah, we had them working together. That was a very interesting mix. We have Mr. Laidback with Mr. Intense. And then we have Danny. Bummer for you. And Danny, like, looks into your soul every time he's talking. You ever talk to somebody and they make you nervous, not because of what they say, but because what they don't say? And we have all these different personalities, and we have the gift, we have common core values, and we have some of the common gifts working through different personalities and different gift mixes, and you know, same anointing working through different gift mixes. And it's, but you know what? Common mission. We're all working towards the same thing. Does that make sense? And so Paul says, you know, I, I have the blueprint, and. Um, Gosh, there's lots of notes here. There's just so much. <laughs> you know, um, I'll give you a, a good example of what I, what I believe. I, I, I believe that authority flows when you're under authority. And I personally don't believe you have any more authority than you're willing to submit to. And I believe that people have sometimes the right idea. Even, the, like, for instance... I believe that you could, yeah, I know, you could go down any place in Reading and you could start a business. Like, you get a $50 permit and you could start a business anywhere. But you know what? You couldn't start your own police department, even if you hate crime. You couldn't start your own police department, even if you hated crime, and you graduated from the academy, the police academy. Even if you got one of those cars painted black and white and put cherry on top and got a uniform. And you know that? You would be... You would act, if anybody who you pulled over, you are unauthorized to pull anyone. You know, I hate crime. I have all the equipment. I graduated from the top of the academy. Doesn't matter. Until, until someone commissioned you, you don't have authority. And a lot of people are sending themselves. It's amazing. Jesus said, I've, he said, I didn't come to do my will, but I came to do the will of my Father. Now, some, I don't know what you think about that, and I don't know if you've, always, if, if you've thought through it. But one time Jesus said, he said it in this context, one of the times, he said it several times, but one of the times he said it in this context, he goes, I didn't lose any of you, speaking to the disciples, for I did not, I didn't do the will of my Father. I didn't do my own will, for I did the will of my Father. I don't know if that causes insecurity in you, but, but I always wonder if he... You know, was he saying to the disciples, if I did my will, I would have lost several of you. (laughs) Just be really lucky that I did the will of my father. (laughs) Have you guys ever thought about that? It's like Jesus said, I didn't come to do my will, I came to do the will of my father. Have you ever thought, well, did Jesus have a different will? Was he saying, you know what, the father and I, we got a big old argument in heaven. And, uh, and, you know, and I, the father said, no, this is the right way to do it. And, I, and, the, and the son said, I don't think that's the way to do it. You know, that's not really costing you anything. That's why you. 
And the father finally said, look, you know, just don't disobey me, son, go. You know, was there, a, you know, some kind of cosmic uh, argument in heaven? See, I don't think Jesus is saying, I honestly don't think Jesus is saying, I have a different will. I don't think he's saying, I would have done this totally differently. I think he's saying, I think he's demonstrating apostolic authority. I think he's saying, I think he's saying, I was sent from the Father. He's saying, the word sent is the word apostle. I don't think he's saying, I would have done something different. He is demonstrating the fact that he came in submission to his Father, and he's demonstrating how you receive authority. And the centurion saw it when he said, you know, Jesus said, you know, I'll come to your house and heal your servant. He says, you don't have to do that, for I see that you are a man under authority. And I think Jesus is demonstrating apostolic authority when he says, I came not to do my will, but the will of my Father. I honestly don't believe Jesus was saying, I have a totally different idea about how this ought to happen. But I think Jesus was demonstrating the fact that he is on someone else's mission. And I think the centurion sees that he's on someone else's mission. And he goes, look, Jesus, you don't have to come to my house. Why? Look at this. The centurion believes that something's happening in invisible. The centurion says, I see. Listen, I see. Everybody say, I see. Can you see the centurion is about to get the reward of a mantle? I don't mean he's going to receive the mantle. I mean the benefit of the mantle right here. Why? He can see what can't be seen. And he goes, I see that you are a man under authority. And I know about that because I'm a man under authority. I tell this one, go. And he goes, this one, come. And he comes. What's he saying? He's saying, that man doesn't go because I tell him to, but all the armies of, 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 of Rome are with me. And he's saying, I can see. You don't have to go to my house. You just speak the word. What's he seeing? The angels of God are on, will obey your voice because you're on someone else's mission. And what I'm getting at is that when you are in submission to an apostolic mission, the angels that are assigned to that mission come out and help you. You have a symbol of authority on your head. Are you getting this at all? In the book of Revelation, chapter 1, John, the apostle, has an encounter with Jesus. And Jesus says to him, write seven letters. To who? Mm -mm. To the angels of the seven churches. To the angels of the seven churches. Write. And he gives the angels instructions for each of the seven churches. Now, how, if you come into under John's apostolic covering, what's happening? The angels have already commissioned to do a particular thing in seven churches. If you come into submission to John's mission and you start preaching what the angels have been, been instructed to bring about, guess what? You're synergizing with heaven. And the Lord told me that we're going to start developing strategic alliances with heavenly allies. And we're doing that through apostolic commissionings. Because the angels understand commissioning. When they, <laughs> when they see apostles' symbol on your head, you're the woman, you're the bride, they go, her prayers and her prophecies, we have to make them come about. Did you get that? I'll tell you this story. Some of you, some of you will be messed up by this. 
I told it a couple of times. Several years ago, the first year I was at Bethel, the first year, the first month I was at Bethel, I was preaching on a Sunday night. And it was really a good night. You know, all you guys who preach, you know, you have good, bad, and ugly. (laughs) When people come up when it's ugly and they go, that was wonderful, you know they got that flattery thing going on because you know when it's ugly. How many of you have ever preached ugly before? I'll preach ugly lots of times. I'm like, you know, when you're preaching, you're like, I can't wait till this boring sermon's over. <laughs> Have you ever preached ugly before? Oh, man, it's, it's horrible. Anyway, I, this was a good message. I was happy with the message, which I'm probably more critical of my own self. Probably, you guys have, any of you have that problem? So anyway, so I'm preaching, and I get done, and I decide I'm going to prophesy over people. I was, you know, you're on a roll, like, just keep her going. So I called some people, and this is my first month at Bethel, right? You remember I described you my first month at Bethel. So, so I'm calling people out, and about maybe 10, 12 people, you know, and it was good that night. It was good. It was, it was flowing, you know. You, you know, I'm not bragging. just I have ugly, and I have bad. It was good that night. And there was a lady all the way in the back row, and she was the last person I called out. And I called her out, and she stood up. And I can't, to this day, I can't remember what I said to her. But it was something like, you know, you're going to be queen of the world and billionaires and, you know, people are going to be, you know, I'm exaggerating. But it was a good word, right? It was a good word. I blessed the socks off of her. So I got home that night and I got to bed and I'm thinking, man, God, you are so lucky you have me. (laughs) You are lucky you've got me. You you know, I'm being funny, but you know that feeling like, ha, that feels so good to, like, be a part of the kingdom and have the Lord use you. Doesn't that feel good? That's intoxicating when it goes good, doesn't it? So I'm laying in bed. It's about 2 o'clock in the morning. I can't sleep because I'm like, whew, I wonder who's going to call me next, you know? And the Lord says to me, that word you gave that lady, he interrupts my thoughts. He goes, that word you gave that lady, he goes, that was a, no, sorry. He goes, that was a good word you gave that lady. And he's laughing. That was a good word you gave that lady. How many of you have heard this story before? He goes, that's a good word. You gave that lady. And I go, now, I am glorying in my high position. And I said, oh, Lord. Instantly, bubble pop. I said, did I give her that word or did you? He goes, no, you did. I said, this is a, I said shoot. That's a Christian cuss word. You know, you can say that in the kingdom. It's all right. I said, shoot, Lord, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. I mean, you know, I went from, have you ever had that happen? You're like, wow, I'm so awesome, to like, I am a rat. I am no good. Look what I, I gave a bad prophecy. And the Lord says, oh, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. Listen to this. But, yeah, you said it, but I said, oh, I thought he meant he's going to kill her because of it. (laughs) I did. My first thought was, Oh my goodness, he's going to kill this lady because I made a bad prophecy. Do you know what I mean? I'll just make sure, scratch her. You know, we'll just vaporize her, it'll be all fine. I said to the Lord, Lord, it shocked me. He says, Oh, don't worry, I'll take care of it. Lord, how will you do that? Because I thought you meant he's going to kill her. He goes, Oh, I'll just make sure it happens. It's a true story. And I said, oh, really? He said, yeah, what kind of God would I be if we only did what I wanted to do? No, he said, what kind of friend would I be 
if we only did what I wanted to do. No, I never told anybody for seven years. I didn't tell my wife, hey, you know what? If you screw up and you get away with it and you cleared it with God, it's like, I don't know if that's the core value that we have, actually. I thought through, like, I probably should have told somebody, but anyway, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't tell anybody. And one day I'm reading 1 Samuel 3, and it says this. And none, um, and the Lord let none of Samuel's words fail. Fall to the ground. It says, the Lord let none of his words fall to the ground. And it's a small age. And I'm like, hmm. <laughs> maybe I have a doctrine for messing up and letting the Lord cover, you know. The Lord let none of his... Have you ever noticed how many places Jesus had to be from? Yeah. Five places. Three twice it says, by the word of the Lord. And three times it says, by the word of... It names a prophet. The angel had to get Joseph in a dream and say, go to such and such a city for, to fulfill the word of Jeremiah. <laughs> and then he had to go to such and such a city to fulfill the word of Isaiah. No, I don't know if that's theologically correct, but <laughs> I bet you the Lord's like, no, nobody else prophesied about Jesus. <laughs> we had to move him all over the place and get you guys covered. No more prophecies, please. <laughs> you can see the angels like, Lord, I know, I know, I know, tell him to stop. Uh, Listen, I'm not saying, you know, prophesy and the Lord will just cover it. Uh, That happened to me one time, you know, in 30 years. I'm not saying just do whatever, God will cover it. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying there are benefits to being friends with God. A lot of people want the ship without the friend, friendship, you know. They want the vehicle without the relationship. Oh, God covers whatever. I have a doctrine. Let's see how that works out for you. Yes, the Lord told me to step on water. I'm going to walk on water. Okay, well, we'll all watch and see if God told you or not. Right? You know what I'm saying? I'm not creating a doctrine that says, you can just prophesy, God will cover it. I, I don't believe that. But it happened to me. Once. And all I'm saying is, is that you can get away with a lot if you stay under authority and have a good attitude. 